Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. It's part two of my Love is Blind series. I couldn't help myself. When this reality show came across my radar and I started tuning in, I was hooked. And I talked about it in last week's episode in part one. So if you haven't listened to that one, it's a short little kind of foundational episode, just setting the stage for all the dynamics and issues we're going to talk about in upcoming Love is Blind episodes. And joining me today is Kate Lambie. She's a licensed clinical professional counselor. You know her from appearing on the podcast before. She joined me way back in episode three called Take a Look at Your Selfie, where we talked about the importance of truly knowing ourselves through and through and how this benefits all the relationships in our lives. Then she joined me for episode 54 called Horses Heal and discussed the power of equine therapy. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check that out. And more recently, she joined me for episode 77, Take Charge of Your Negative Thoughts. And she shared techniques from ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, that she uses with her clients. So Kate, welcome to Love and Life yet again. Hello, thanks for having me. So just the other day, you texted me, I think it was Monday morning, and you said, girl, have you been watching Love is Blind? And I said, check out today's podcast episode, because yes, I absolutely have been watching this series. So we've both watched it. We haven't seen the reunion. I know that dropped this morning, I think. We haven't seen that, but we've watched the entire series. And obviously, as a psychologist and a therapist, there's so much going on. Now, like I said, I covered it on Monday's episode in a short episode that talks about kind of the realities of what an experiment like this is really all about. So, of course, there's the reality TV piece. And who knows how many of these participants were really just looking for their Instagram fame and uh, and fortune. And then, of course, the reality that it is a very unique population of people who would sign up for something like this. In psychology, we would talk about a self-selected sample. So there's that to consider. And of course, just being in the pods, and it's so unusual. And so of course, that's part of what we're looking at is how, what happened in the pods, the, the bond that was formed in the pods, how that could possibly generalize to the real world. But Kate and I had so many other topics to talk about. So we're going to get into it right now. Kate, what should we start with? To be honest, it's like, (laughs) there's so many things. I know. Obviously, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to really get into a series, but this grabbed me really quick. And I think just the topic of vulnerability, right? I think in the dating scene, I do think more and more as we keep moving forward, I know even personally, I think people are kind of tired of the swipe left, swipe right. Yes. And, you know, online and all those things. Um and maybe just superficial first date, second date, just trying to, you know, put on this air for someone. But I really think this was such a great idea just for the whole vulnerability aspect. It really allowed everyone to dive in and just really share their true full selves right off the bat, you know, which is helpful in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, I think you make a great point that it's possible that given the current dating landscape, this intrigued America and actually worldwide, I think this is blowing up everywhere because I have some followers and folks I talk to in the UK and in Australia. So at least in the English speaking world and maybe elsewhere, it's really blowing up. And I think maybe as you're, as you're, you're talking, it occurs to me that perhaps it's because the dating landscape is feeling so rushed. So, like you said, swiping after looking at someone's picture for 0.01 second, people feel objectified. They feel like online shopping, like, I don't like those shoes, I'll buy those shoes. And it feels the same way with the dating landscape. So this got into a level of depth right off the bat because all those distractions of the what this person looks like and am I attracted to this person, they weren't available. So they had to just connect. Yes, and I think it allowed people to really be in the present moment. You know, you're not mm. having all these senses being stimulated. Oh my gosh, they looked like that, or they made that little twitch, you know, right. with their with their mouth. And oh my gosh, do they not like me? And oh, look at how they were wearing that. And you know, there's so many things. I think we get, you know, during a first date, we're just thinking about and we're taking in all these senses, but it, you're just there, present with that person. Yeah, and the only cues they had to go off of in terms of does this person like me would be tone of voice and what kind of flirtatious energy they caught just through the voice. Totally. Yes, and it well and it forces people to have to communicate their feelings. Really? Oh yeah. Right? Not just by using body right. language. Right. Um which is actually more than half of our communication um as humans, but still, I mean, you you can't rely on mind reading <laughs> because you don't have any you know behavioral cues to form that from so you have to say i really like you and i like what's happening here and also for people who you know really need a sense of emotional safety in dating like i love this kind of model mm-hmm. you know of really just feeling emotionally safe with someone and i feel like in that way it can be a really good starting point and we have some puppers here. We do. <laughs> so we've got they're some. just playing. We've got some background noise. Sorry about that. You may hear some. Yeah, they're just having fun. Well, and I, it's funny. I do think, I'm getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I think the foundation they established in the pods was beautiful. And actually, despite reality TV and the editing, I think it's actually a wonderful way to start a relationship. Totally. I think what happened, and we saw that play out, Obviously, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and finish it, the series. But I think what we saw play out was there was after they committed, it became too rushed. Oh, totally. And I know that they were like, hey, we can't be dragging this show on for a year and a half, right? So there's part of maybe just the realities of production that they didn't want to carry this on for so long. But honestly, I think if some of the couples had had enough time to just be dating, right? Because what they did, and this happens, and I talk about this a lot, when people start dating, they're in information gathering mode. And when they're dating other people, they have the freedom to continue to take in what they're learning about their person they're dating and just continue to see if it's a fit. Once they get into we're in a relationship mode, then they stop seeing clearly what is presented in front of them and they start going, this has to work. 
this has to because we're yes and relationships are hard so we need to make this work so they stop it, it, it completely changes their approach to the relationship yes and also i think it puts pressure on the per right kind of like what you're saying like yeah. i have to make this work but then also oh something's wrong with me Yes. If this isn't working. Which we saw. Um, which we saw and which we sometimes all experience, yes. right? Like this looks great on paper. And yes. if we want to get specific, yep. you know. We um, can. Yep. You know, Kelly and Kenny right off the bat, I'm like, oh, they're so cute. Yes. I think this is going to work. And as it moved on, she was saying, you know, he emotionally, yeah, like it's there. But he feels more like a best friend. And, yes. you know, I'm wondering too, and I can't remember right now if she brought that up about you know, putting pressure on herself, really. But, you know, there is that piece of... Or you projected onto her right. what you would be feeling. Sure. Well, <laughs> Which, totally, of course, we yeah. all do. I'm kidding. But to- yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, because you, we talked about that, how you... And I have both been in those relationships yes. where you do, you put pressure on yourself. You go, this guy is a stand-up yes. guy. Right. Yeah. And, and my gosh, his family and her family, they loved each other. So she's probably asking herself, what's wrong with me that I can't right. feel those feelings I know right. I want to feel and need to feel right. to have this be my spouse, right. my husband. And then, which goes into, right, <laughs> then you start questioning. Right. Are, you know, the intensity of those feelings, you start comparing it to other relationships. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the last relationship I had, oh, I was so infatuated. I had all these things. But maybe that's not real love. Right. So maybe I questioned that a little bit. Well, and remember that was unhealthy. And this is maybe healthy. So I need to then just go along with what's healthy and not have these intense feelings. Right. Oh, my gosh. Haven't we all just been there? Haven't we all just been there? And <laughs> yeah. my listeners know I was there up until two months before a wedding was mm-hmm. to occur. Mm-hmm. So, oh, my gosh, when they got to the point where these weddings were imminent, mm-hmm. Oh my, I was having flashbacks to being that bride who just, like we said a few minutes ago, it is all perfect on paper. What is my problem? And like Kelly said, I mean, I I was laughing because she said she usually goes for brunettes, right? So she was just trying to figure out what is going on. Is it just his hair color? Because she, and then she mentioned, I think she said something to the effect that she sometimes goes for maybe more of a bad boy and did she say that or am I making that up? I don't think she said specifically those okay. words, but he typically wasn't her type. Yeah. And then, yeah, we doubt ourselves. And that's one of the things that I talk about, obviously, in my book. Single is the new black. Don't wear white till it's right. Because when we are dating and we have a perfectly wonderful, I mean, and Kenny was like almost perfect. Wow, what so a sweet. nice guy. Yeah. Man, when he handled that, when she left him at the altar... And then her mom goes, I love this guy, right? <laughs> and you know, mom's right. like, dang it. And that's, and that's the thing too, is then you have pressures from friends Yes, from the and family. family yep. And then again, you go back on yourself. There's something wrong There's with something me. There's something wrong with me. There's some reason I can't get this together. Right. Um, and you doubt yourself so hardcore, which is why I talk about in the book that there is nothing wrong with you for remaining single. And there's so much right with you for being strong enough to stay strong in the knowledge of you will know who is the right fit for you, but you still, there's head games you play with yourself. Right. No, totally. Absolutely. And I think we also saw that with Mark and Jessica. And now that's a whole other maybe episode talking about that. No, let's do it. Let's do it. It's it's related. It's related. It's related. But you know, the overarching thing with Jessica was, I think her trying to see if this could work and they did try. And I have to give that to them. They did try that. Um, and she did keep trying and he kept trying, but it came to this point where it was like, it seemed like he was just trying to convince her. Yes. 
you know, and then it, again, it just comes so clear, like, why are we trying to make this fit? As you were saying kind of earlier on, why are we trying to push this so much? And then it makes me question Mark a little bit, like, is he in love with love? Is he even yeah. really seeing her for who she is? Or is he just like, again, you know, a passionate guy, which is great and has a lot to offer. Yeah. Well, and I think if they were in couples counseling with me, I would be wanting because I think if I were Jessica I would be feeling that you are so into me and so convinced even when I keep putting up all these barriers that I'm the one I would feel then you just want to be married and it doesn't really matter just I want love I want marriage insert Jessica right so I would want like I said if I were working with him as a couple I'd want him to pull back a little bit because there's also this approach avoidance thing where Mm -hmm. the more he comes at her the more she pulls away Mm -hmm. and if he would have pulled back a little bit and given her some space she may have come to him we saw that with Damien and G a little bit when he pulled back that got her to come toward him we won't get into them yet but but we saw that dynamic at work and it really it, it troubled me now also Jessica Ooh, girl, she was she was uh, still caught up with Barnett mm-hmm. and being really uh, lying to herself. I think she'd be like, "I just have to have a conversation with him," and then later, I wasn't still into him. Yes, girl, please. Oh, completely changed her story. For yeah, sure. for sure. So that was also something. And then I, of course, then in the back of my mind, does she just want to stay on the program to get right. famous? Yeah. Which okay, but the thing about this, and I'll say this again because. I don't usually go on and on about reality shows on my podcast, although I don't know why not, because there's so much great love and life material, really. But even if all of this is partly staged, essentially, sure, we're still we can still talk about it and learn. And like totally. and like you said, I resonated with her. Uh, I'm talking getting back to Kelly now because I've been that girl who almost married the wrong person because right. there was just nothing. It seems so great. No reason, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot we can take away from this. So that brings me to Damien and G. I was surprised that he said, I do not. Were you? Yes, but like I was secretly hoping okay. that he would say no. Because I think already in what we had seen, that that was a toxic dynamic Ooh. that really turned into a toxic dynamic when you start... I mean, really, there were some aspects there, and we could get into, you know, the John Gottman and the Four Horses of Well, please, let's do. But the contempt part, it really became abusive, right? When she started attacking him. I I mean, I feel, I mean, I know that one part of, like, it wasn't the best sex for me, right? We're really hitting below the belt. Um, And that's where that toxicity comes in, Mm -hmm. is now we're not playing by fair rules, and we're not playing by the values of love and caring for a person, and please, We're just trying to hurt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Below the belt. Yeah, please do explain just briefly the Gottman Four Horses of the Apocalypse for anyone who's not familiar with that literature, because that's really important here. Yeah, so John Gottman has studied um, marriages and relationships for years. Um, I almost want to say 30-something years. Yes, yes. And um, basically came up with these four um, ways of communicating that if done often and frequently can actually predict divorce in a couple. Right. And um, not that, you know, some of these ways of communicating aren't very helpful and, you know, they're not going to not show up at all in a relationship, but it's the frequency um, and the intensity for which they occur that can really erode a relationship. Um, And so we have the first one starting with criticism. You always, you never... 
Um, so right away, that's an attack. And so what happens then after an attack? Defensiveness. Right. So defensiveness. So what happens is then that person becomes defensive. Guess what they do? They start criticizing. They lash back. Right. So um, already then we're in a war about mm. winning the war mm. and not about what's really going on. Um and then we have um, stonewalling, yep. which is kind of that shutting down aspect. Um, you know, sometimes we call it like the runner chaser aspect where we have um, the person, you know, going after the person. No, you're going to listen to me now. We need to talk about this now. Right. And then you have that other person shutting down and maybe running away. Mm-hmm. So that running away isn't helpful either. Um, but really both people being able to regulate themselves, uh, have self-care for themselves separately, and then come back to the table to really, um, you know, in a really calm, grounded way, being able to discuss what their real feelings were. And then we get to contempt, which is, mm-hmm. um, the one that's most toxic is, uh, contempt where, um, it turns into, somewhat abuse um and that could be from body language it can be sneering it can be eye rolling um it can be you know really verbally attacking someone Mm -hmm. um or you know just getting really abusive so those four things if done pretty often and frequently can really predict um an ending of a relationship i think he predicts with he and his wife have done, like you said, this research for over 30 years. I think it's with like 97% accuracy. Yes, they yes. can just look at these behaviors yes. in sessions. And just to reiterate, because I have a lot of psych nerd listeners like myself, the four are criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt. And we definitely saw that with G and Damien in spades. And uh, one other thing that's related to this that I want to say, I want to hear what you think about it. She said a lot of, I had to push you away, Damien, and you kept coming back. So what was that about? And I showed you, and she even told her bridesmaids and her friends, I showed him how crazy I can be, and he still loves me. It seemed to me that she was, I'm going to be a crazy fool sometimes, and you just got to deal with it. Whereas I would have loved to see her heart be like, yeah, in other relationships, I've been a bit erratic or overdramatic, but I love you so much. I want to try to be a little more rational and measured in this relationship, which some might hear me saying, well, she's trying to, she would, I'm asking her to change who she is to be with him. But I'm just saying when we love someone, we try not to be so volatile that it's constant drama. Right. (laughs) And I think, think? well, no, I mean, that's why I think this relationship is so, so toxic is even what she shared on the, um, on the actual episodes was that, you know, my family were screamers. Right. Right. Which means really, you know, highly emotional and reactive, probably. Reactive is a good um, word. Yes. And so you're you're not going to have <laughs> right. the person be like, let me take a break. Let's take a break. Let's take a time out and let's come back and really share our softer emotions. And that's what we want to get to. Yes. But instead, we got we got defensive. Really, that was all defensiveness and then yes. criticism and attacks and then going into contempt of really going below the belt, um, which that just made me so uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. Um, but do you know what, in that, in that, you know, I was really surprised he handled that pretty well. He did. He stayed calm. I feel like he was yes, not reactive. He was trying totally. to process. Yes. And, you know, I loved that part in one of the episodes where they were sitting down having dinner 
And he really stood up for himself and he, he said, did. you will lose me if this continues. Um, and he, he said something about like, I'm really going to be true to myself. I haven't been true to myself. Right. And that was such a great empowering moment to see him really do and put some boundaries. Yes. Um, and again, that's why I think it was so great at the end to, you know, in one aspect, really see him choose himself over yeah. maybe this toxic dynamic. And you could see on his, on his face at the altar, it was very painful for totally. him. But I love in the restaurant when he stood up for himself. And I think that excited her. She liked seeing him stand up and be a man. Oh, totally. I, and again, and I've been in this <laughs> dynamic, not in a relationship. So this is funny. I used to have this manager when I was waiting tables in grad school. And he was the kind of manager that didn't trust you. And I was... Uh, it, I'd, I'd waited tables before, mm-hmm. but he would ride me, like follow me around. Did you get the soup out to table seven? What about the salads and the dessert over here? And <laughs> I, and it would drive me crazy. He didn't trust me and yeah. it was frustrating me. Mm-hmm. And finally one day, because I was so slammed, I had so many tables, I just turned around and I just screamed at him, which is totally not in my character, but no. I just, I screamed at the owner of the restaurant. I was like, get off my back. And you know what? He never gave me a problem again. He needed to see mm-hmm. me stand up for myself like with me being too kind he took it for weakness interesting and when i finally screamed at him he was like okay she's got this now i don't want to have that dynamic personally in my romantic relationship but i think that's a little bit of what happened there when he finally stood up for himself she was like oh okay well and that was one of the things that she brought up she's like why don't you just take me remember right one episode right before she said those things why don't you just seduce me why don't you come for me right but, I mean, if we really look at it, she really set that dynamic of, like, the, the dominating part. Right. I mean, beginning in the moment when, you know, he proposed and she was like, no, you get down. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like, yes. right there, um, you're trying to set the standard of Ooh. who's wearing the pants in this relationship. She did, indeed. So... And I do want to circle back. It's funny you brought up the Gottmans because I brought them up this week on Instagram in one of my posts. And two of the things, there were three parts of some of their research has found that couples who are happy treat each other these ways. And the two that really relate to G and Damien would be one that when you fight, when you're in conflict, be gentle with each other. And like you were saying, he was able to be gentle and not fly off the handle and not say things below the belt. And she was not. And then the third thing, of the two of the three that really relate to G and Damien was the once you've had a fight, look for ways to repair. Don't keep mm-hmm. score. Don't retreat. Look for ways to now put a balm mm-hmm. or a salve on that wound. Sure. And so it's. I love that you brought that up because it really relates to what we're talking about here. And again, I want to reiterate because I think sometimes women get this, you know, women have felt that they've been asked to be someone they're not in order to get a guy, right? And this is something we've all experienced to Mm -hmm. some degree. You're not skinny enough. You're not pretty enough. Wear more makeup. And we hear these messages everywhere. So I think some women go, I'm going to be me, and he's going to have to take it. And I think that's what G was doing a bit. But I would ask all of us still, let's be ourselves 100%, but also be the kind, loving, gentle, nurturing, tender parts of ourselves with the person that we are trying to forge our most intimate relationship with sure and i think that's the point right is relationships especially romantic relationships you know are intimate and vulnerable yeah and that does take a lot of what do you say just like a lot of strength discipline don't you think discipline strength and really you know being selfless to be able to notice okay i need to listen to this person and hear what they're yeah. saying and have this empathy. 
And that's hard, especially if you're really stuck on a certain point or a certain direction mm-hmm. in your life or something that you feel like you need personally, um, right? Trying to navigate that in that relationship right. while also um, holding their values and their needs, you know, equally. Right. Um, and that's part of partnership. It, yeah. it is, but it's, it's tough, but it's also, as I love what you've always shared, it shouldn't be that hard yeah. either, right? When shouldn't. you both come from a really a place of love and empathy for each one mm-hmm. and that they're not the enemy. You're on the yeah. same team. Love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, and that reminds me of the first point that, again, I shared on Instagram and I didn't necessarily think I'd talk about on the podcast, but it's so relevant. The first point that the Gottmans make is treat your spouse as your best friend and really treat them that way. I mean, not just like, oh, yeah, we're best friends. No, but really treat them, which... Your friends, and again, some people have more volatile relationships, but that doesn't usually play out to happiness. People usually feel more happiness when they, like you said, have that discipline and that strength to say, I love you. So in this moment, I have this this desire and I want this and I want to lash out because it would feel good in this moment. But ooh, let's not do that because the bigger picture is we're on the same team. You are my best friend and I want to treat you as such. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, G and Damien, I wish we'd had a chance to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun? Okay, producers of Love is Blind, you know, you've got a therapist and a psychologist ready to, <laughs> to join you next season. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm, and I'm really curious about just the reunion. And, I know. Um, yeah. I know. We'll have to watch that later. <laughs> yeah. And how about Barnett and Amber? I know you were surprised that they got married. I was. And again, you mentioned this because you're like, maybe it's the editors or, you know. But for some reason, every time they had alone time and they focused on their conversations, he just seemed emotionally not there. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's what I got from it. And he seemed to just like, "Uh uh-huh, yes. Yeah. I agree. It almost seems sometimes like placating. So I was like, oh, he's not really into this. But then when he would obviously talk to Jessica at those little parties, you know, he'd be like, no, I'm happy. She's yeah. For me. And w- he was saying that to others. I don't know. It just, I guess, from my perspective, looked like he was really not fully in. But maybe again, maybe that was just his fear. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I was surprised that he, he said I do. Yeah, I was too. I'll be honest. And in the pods, I kind of felt like he was just a player. And I started liking him more and more because when they showed Jessica coming on to him right. and he was very... St- no, he, well, he yeah. was staying... He was mm-hmm. a stand-up guy right there. He's like, no, I'm, I'm engaged yeah. and I'm happy. And it's Amber. And again, it could have been the editing, but then they show her... I maxed out my credit card for makeup and I never finished college and there's a debt there. And and I want... Remember, there was... The, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And- yeah, and the wedding dress the budget is this and I need 400 more dollars to get the dress I want. You know, it seemed like he could take her for not a gold, gold digger, but just someone who, the things she said, at least the way that it was presented <laughs> to us. I would have walked on to that and been like, something's weird here. Um, yeah. Cause when they were, when, when they were hot for each other, like they're, uh, seeing each other for the first time was really electric and I loved it because they just looked at each other and were very happy with what they saw and that was fun. Yeah. Remember there's a cut too where she goes, did you know he looked like that the whole time? It's really, right. so you can see that their sexual chemistry was totally. there in spades. Right. But like we've talked about before, 
Sternberg's triangle theory of love, they had that romantic passion, no question. Sure. And they had, I think they were friends, but you could see there could be some cracks in their friendship based on the way she was approaching things and the way that he was approaching things and maybe how he might perceive her intentions with everything. And then, of course, the commitment was remained to be seen. But I, you know, I'm a big believer in that sexual chemistry can provide a pretty strong foundation to help people get through some of those other areas that maybe they don't fully align. Interesting. I didn't know. Yeah. That. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, now you do. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and skipping ahead to the kind of the end. Yeah. After they had gotten married, they kind of go to Barnett in that one part, and they're like, "So you did it?" And whenever he's like, "Yeah, we'll we'll see you down the road," like he kind of said this off. And like, we'll see, you know, what happens down the road. And so part of me was like, I wonder if he was just like, you know what? I'm taking this plunge. Yeah. We'll just see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Maybe he was, uh, you know, he turned 28, I think. or Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was 28. Yeah, during the show. And maybe he thought, you know, I've I've dated a lot of women and I I have as much chemistry with her as anyone else. And let's give it a go. Some people do have maybe, to me, it feels a bit cavalier. But maybe that was his approach, and she thought, that's cool because I'm willing to let you know it's going to work. I don't know. We haven't yeah. seen the reunion yet, so oh, we have yeah. to. Well, and she, I mean, there's some moments where she's kind of aggressive. I she's mean, a she, lot. She gets kind of threatening. She's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> she did I say, mean, like, I'm glad I didn't have to spend the rest of my life in jail because he said I do. I like, <laughs> Otherwise, mm-hmm. I, I know we were laughing. I was like, she was going to hunt him down. <laughs> So, you know, um, so that's another couple that I'm really curious about yeah. seeing in the mm-hmm. reunion and seeing kind of where they are now. Yeah. I am curious, too, how far forward do you think the reunion is from where? I think the reunion is probably more recent. And from what I could tell by just the season, it looked like it was autumn last year because I saw some oh, pumpkins and things okay. when they were at each other's houses. I think they were at Barnett's house and outside on the patio there were it seemed to be some pumpkins and gourds and things so that's my guess but i would have to look it up to see exactly the time frame so they may be six months out yeah really that could be all it is because we're in march now yeah and then let's talk about laura and and cameron Cameron. oh we harmonized we did harmonize (laughs) like we normally do um yeah, yeah i yeah i mean what do you think oh I mean, they, again, it was well played by the producers to lead with them because, gosh, they got me the first episode. I was, ugh. And as you said, he has such kind eyes. He has such kind eyes. And he is so brilliant, obviously, clearly. Oh, totally. And yet the kindness makes him so attractive, whereas I think the stereotype of a scientist is maybe they're a little nerdier, but he had that warmth. Which made him just—you just were he was drawn able to, to him. Emotionally connect for sure. Yeah, yeah, which I thought was so beautiful. Yeah, I—I I kind of didn't worry the whole time about them. I thought maybe okay, maybe they wouldn't get married then, but maybe they would just date longer. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I just felt uh-huh. the whole throughout the whole right. thing, they seemed like a really great match. They did. They seemed, and I think the biggest hurdles were on her her end, and they definitely showed you that through the sure. editing that. She hadn't dated a white guy before. She wasn't sure how that what that would mean for her identity as a woman who's very proud of her African-American heritage and her African-American community and culture. And what would that look like to date right. outside her race? And and then her dad, of course, they, they played that up to be a big deal, yeah. which it was, it was when they first met. But then at the wedding, he's crying. Right. And it's yeah. it seemed like he trusted his daughter with Cameron. Definitely. Which made you feel just all the feels 
definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to see where they are now. Although I did see on Twitter, because I was tweeting out some stuff about the last podcast about this, and it looked like they were receiving questions from people who wanted to know some more about their story. So oh. from Twitter, at least, it appeared that they were still together. Okay. Yeah. And they looked as cute as ever. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We will see. So Kate, any parting thoughts about the series or any of the couples or... I just thought this was such an intriguing social experiment mm-hmm. and yeah, is love blind? You know, I, I just think it was really great and really just showing, showing the different dynamics, how just really it's an individual thing, you know? And well, you mentioned something that I thought was kind of cute. You thought, wouldn't it be cool if they did pop up love is blind pods in different cities, almost like speed dating pop-up events, right? And by the way, producers of love is blind, if you want to do that, I'm in the shy. I got you Chicago. I'd love to host it in case Nick and uh, Vanessa Lachey are not available. I would love to host something like this because I do believe in the foundation that is set. Like we spoke to earlier in the episode, I do believe in the foundation that's set. I think the part that broke down for some of them was that they had to rush from dating and gathering information into, we're engaged, we must make this work. Right. And again, we understand that the realities and logistics of following couples for a year and a half or two years, which would be a more appropriate amount of time for them to get to know each other. But I love the foundation that was set in those pods. Mm -hmm. So let's do it in major cities. Wouldn't that be cool? I'll be a participant. I think people would really dig it. I think it'd be really cool. And that's the thing. You wouldn't have that pressure of right. It would just having be- to be engaged after. It's just like that's the way of engaging, you know. Maybe you could do it like several times, have several dates that way. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Sign All me right. up, Dr. Karen. Okay. We'll see what we can do here. Okay. <laughs> well, Kate, thanks for joining me for this recap and uh, response to Love is Blind. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.